0: Well, welcome everybody to the next edition of the JD Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Taylor. I'm the Managing Director of Travel, Hospitality, and Retail at JD Power, and as you can see, we're video today, so which is a little bit unusual. But we have a special guest. Um, you know, Andrew, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Southwest.
1: Hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. My name is Andrew Watterson. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer at Southwest Airlines. Uh, and for us, that means really the revenue side of the, the ledger, if you will. So everything we need to do to, to generate customers, buying our tickets, and flying our airplanes.
0: Okay. Sounds like an interesting job. So uh, anyway, thanks again for being on the podcast. And congratulations to Southwest. Uh, another win, uh, another trophy win for uh, Southwest and the JE Power Awards. You won the uh, economy category, which is by the way, the only uh, category that uh, Southwest competes in. So congratulations, great job. You guys had, despite uh, a challenging year, you guys had a great year.
1: Thank you very much. We take a lot of pride and pleasure in winning the GT Power Award. And so uh, uh, we're very grateful to, to see that and uh, it just fills us with pride.
0: Well, you've mentioned before that it's your job to kind of get people to choose Southwest as a brand. So can you tell me a little bit about how you guys feel? What is your value proposition to flyers? Why should people fly Southwest?
1: Well, at Southwest, we endeavor to offer a high-quality economy product at a low fare. And for us, the high-quality economy product is a bundled product. Uh, And so when you buy a ticket from us, you can travel on that ticket. Um, And then that bundled product is backed up with some very uh, pro-consumer policies, in case you know – You need to change something Um, and then delivered by really engaged employees who deliver outstanding uh, hospitality and customer service. And that really can't be uh, uh, copied. People can copy a particular policy or particular product, but our people and the way they engage with our uh, customers and and the hospitality they deliver is really can't be copied.
0: Yeah, I can tell you that uh, when I do a lot of presentations to your competition, uh, they often ask me, how is it that Southwest does so well? What can we do you know, get, you know, maintain that high level of, of achievement in J.D. Power that uh, Southwest achieves? And uh, one of the things I tell them is, well, the first thing you have to get rid of is the bag fee. And so you, you can tell us a little bit. And, of course, when I say that, I, you know, the uh, chief financial officer is usually tearing you know, a little whiter shade of pale when I say that. <laughs> but um, can you tell me that's something that really, when we look at the data at J.D. Power – you know the the fact that you guys do deliver on that promise that you're going to give value for that ticket, and the bag fee is one of the chief reasons why, in our data, that people pick Southwest. Uh, so you tell me a little bit about. There must be discussions about reinstituting or, or or instituting a bag fee in your case. And you can tell me, you know, what is the Southwest philosophy on bags? They fly free. Why do they fly free?
1: Well, uh, right next door to me is the chief financial officer, and she has never suggested that we charge for bags. So uh, uh, she suggests other things to me, uh, but never charging for bags. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's always been part of uh, our product. In fact, it was part of airlines products for, you know, before the dawn of the jet age. Um, Mm -hmm. And so other airlines went away from that. But, you know, consumers, they understand this. And so this is not a one and done business. This is a repeat purchase business. So when a consumer comes to you and they buy from you and they give them to the, t- the ticket counter to check a bag and you charge them extra for something that they feel like should be included, they get upset and then uh, they they fuss at your employees and your employees don't like being fussed at so they that you, your engagement goes down there and then and then it's kind of a, a vicious circle if you will and so for us just price your product so that you can deliver a product that's usable Now handling your bags doesn't cost that much money. It doesn't cost thirty-five bucks or fifty or hundred, whatever other airlines charge these days. It 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 costs just a a modest amount of money. So why upset your customers and poke them in the eye for you know uh, for what you should just include in the ticket price?
0: Now does that include does that philosophy extend to the change fee that uh, you guys do not charge people?
1: Yeah, uh, the change fees the same way the change fee. It actually doesn't cost you much money to change your tickets, especially if you do it yourself. Um, so what's the you know, and customers know that. They know that it, the effort required is minimal. then so why have these big um, big fees? And even other airlines have recently copied that, but only for certain geographies or only for certain ticket categories. And consumers see right through that. They understand when they're kind of uh, getting the, the wrong end of things. and so they will remember that. And the next time they go to fly, they will remember that when they make their choice. So for us, this is a repeat purchase business. And if you price your product so you can deliver it, then customers will appreciate it and will come back.
0: So once people have chosen that brand, once they decide to get in line at a Southwest, to get in line for a Southwest uh, flight, now what's the next key thing that you guys think about to keep them happy with their choice at Southwest?
1: Well, you know, we look at uh, hospitality. We really measure ourselves and our customers on how, do uh, they appreciate that trip? And so we measure every single flight, both the 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 NPS score for that trip and then the NPS score overall, like, you know, the kind of the cocktail party NPS, if you will, like, what do you think about our brand and our, our product? And so. We listen to our customers, and as customer uh, uh, values and, and needs change, we, we've adapted our product over time uh, to offer that. we adapted our boarding process. We've adapted what we offer on the on the airplane, how we sell. All those things come with customers telling us what they would like to buy from us and how they'd like to buy from us.
0: Yeah, and that's, you mentioned another thing that I talk about often uh, is the boarding process at Southwest. I do get some quizzical looks from a lot of your co- competition is that why do they do it that way? And do people really like it? And uh, I, I look I show them the scores. I just point to the screen and say, yeah, the, the scores reflect that if people are flying Southwest because of that, that's, they like it. So again, what is the, you know, what's the, um, you know, describe it for those people who don't know. I think most everybody that listens to these podcasts does know. It. Tell us how, what is the process, the boarding process for
1: Southwest? What does it look like? So we have open seating, uh, which means you can choose your own seat, um, and then what we do then is, is we board by groups, and so everyone's assigned uh, a letter and a number, either the A group, the B group, and C group, uh, and then letters 1 through 60 uh, to go with that, and then you basically uh, board when it's, you know, your your letter, your group number, and your, uh, your boarding number. And so people who have not flown us can sometimes be, you know, find that off-putting, like, goodness, I don't have a seat assignment. That's odd. Um, I feel nervous, but once people try us, uh, they love it and our, and our repeat customers demand it. And so what it means is if you think about it, will you go to other airlines and you're, you're boarding, you get this kind of semi-circle of death of people kind of trying to block out their neighbor, uh, so they can get on first. And, you know, and it's like all this jockeying going on. And then, um, with Southwest, you line up in orderly fashion, probably like you did in kindergarten. Uh, And so you have and you find your number and you kind of get them between the people who are above and below you. And then you talk to them and they become human and you chat and it becomes very civilized and enjoyable. And all of a sudden the pressure goes away and it's um, it's very orderly. Um, And so you just kind of file into the airplane uh, when it's your turn uh, and then choose the seat that you like. And, you know, you may not know exactly what seat you'll get, but, you know, based on your boarding number, whether you're going to get, a you know, an aisle or window or uh, early in the cabin or, you know, towards the back. And so um, everybody in the end will sit in either an aisle, a middle or window. Uh, and the question is just how do you get there? And so for us, it's a very civilized approach. And then our, our high frequency business customers, they love it because they're always changing flights and they, you know, and they know that there will be open seating. They change flights. They don't get stuck with a bad seat because, you know, they can still get on early.
0: Okay, that's that is you know an, an a very efficient strategy, and I think it's one that's unique to you. I, I say there's several ways to skin the cat uh, in the airline business, and you guys are definitely uh, you know setting your own tone with that uh, that kind of boarding process. Um, you and also you keep teaming me up for other you know, questions <laughs> I want to ask you. The the other thing that you guys do really well in year in and year out are what we call people scores. You know, where you're friendly, you're engaged. Uh, there's quite an attitude. Uh, one of the things that I tell our airline clients when we talk about people skills and people scores in the J.D. Power survey is, you know, you've got to give the impression that your, your flight crew is happy to fly with those customers rather than treat them as someone to be heard about and ordered about and things like that. And Southwest does a very good job of that in the J.D. Power survey. Um, tell us a little bit about you know, what's your hiring process like? Uh, you know, you're obviously hiring these folks. I, I believe that you actually invented the phrase hire for attitude. and I may be wrong about that, but you know, that's what I believe that you guys invented that phrase because it certainly shines through. Could you tell us a little bit about how you find these people and then how you train these people?
1: Well, um, it, it does take um, uh, quite a bit to get hired here. I, I was turned down for 17 years before I got hired, uh, so it's, it's not easy. Um, and so we do hire – I don't know if this is about fit. I think I was fit for here, uh, but it does uh, it, it does make it hard to get in the door. And so we, we do a thorough evaluation of, of, of potential candidates, and then we bring them in. We have um, – uh, standardized training. I went through the same day one training as, as the next ramper, if you will. Um, and then after that, kind of welcome to the company training, you go into specialized training for your job function. Um, and we have what we call Southwest University or SWAU. It's here at headquarters. And we bring everybody uh, through here. If we hire hiring you to start on the ramp in Kona, we are going to fly you to Dallas and we're going to put you up in a hotel and we're going to take put you through training here at Southwest Airlines, at our Southwest Airlines University. And so it allows us to have a common understanding of values and culture and how we want to go about doing business. Um, and you kind of build peer networks from uh, other new hires from around the company, you get to meet people in headquarters. So it becomes more tangible about it. And, uh, and so all this kind of serves to kind of a self-reinforcing culture, um, that, uh, makes sure that people know, you know, how to do things the Southwest way.
0: Well, I, I always wanted to, you know, do you hire stand-up comedians? Because most of the folks that I interact with Southwest are very funny from the, you know, from the front of the plane all the way in the back. So, I mean, the pilots are making jokes. Uh, you know, is mm-hmm. that is humor part of the hiring process? Yeah.
1: Well, we, we, a fun-loving attitude is one of the things we look for and and encourage in our people. And if you notice, we travel Southwest Airlines, a lack of buttons. And so what I mean by that, you go to a lot of airlines, the gate agent, he or she will push a button when it's time to board. Uh, flight attendants will push a button when it's a time for announcements. We don't have any of that. Now, there's some regulatory things you have to say for in-flight messages, but otherwise, we let our employees ad-lib, you know, a- add in their humor and their personality if they want to. We can just straight up just do what's required uh, if you're kind of a shy guy. Uh, but if you if you want to kind of uh, be a comedian, have at it as long as you repeat what's necessary uh, for customers to understand the regulations and, and the policies.
0: Now, you had also mentioned business flyers and, and repeat flyers, which you know, most people assume are repeat, repeat flyers equals business flyers. And you're not known as you're not known publicly as a business airline, but I think you'd like to change that perception. Is that true, or do you have plans to attract more business flyers at Southwest?
1: Well, it depends on where you live in the United States, frankly. We, we started uh, our life as an airline, as a business airline. So flying between Dallas and Houston and San Antonio, those are business routes. Um, and then the further west you go in the United States, the more you might think of us as a business airline. Because we have a shuttle service in the west coast like the east coast has never seen. Uh, mm-hmm. Like just hundreds of flights a day. Because uh, when we expanded, like our name says, we expanded to the south and west first. By the time we got to the East Coast, a lot of the business airports were full, so we kind of developed a brand of um, of being a leisure airline to the East Coasters. Uh, we could take you to Florida and the Caribbean, and so over time we've added in more business content in the East by getting slots in LaGuardia and and uh, Washington Reagan and such. And on the on the West Coast. We've added Hawaii now because we actually had too much business and not enough leisure. And so we needed uh, Hawaii for our West Coast business travelers to, you know, redeem their miles for, or their points, rather. Um, and then, so now, uh, overall, though, we've done quite a good business with small and medium-sized companies. But the very largest companies, we um, were underpenetrated. And so we didn't do things a standard way. We did things the Southwest way. And for the largest companies, that meant um, we were out of policy. And so now we've adopted... Uh, distributing through global distribution systems or GDSs, uh, getting account managers to to call on and support these uh, biggest uh, customers and travel management companies to support those big customers. And so that's really allowed us to get on the shelf. Um, And that way, when those business travelers go to purchase, we're now uh, an option, a preferred carrier next to the others, So they can choose us if they want. And so it's really about getting out of our own way vis-a-vis the the payer, the corporation, uh, for these uh, the very biggest companies, and so so far so good on that.
0: So once a flyer's you know lined up, got on board, sat down, listened to the legal ad- uh, announcements, some maybe a joke or two from the flight attendants. You know what's the what's the next experience they get on Southwest? What, what are you trying to deliver in cabin?
1: Well, in cabin, uh, we want it to be consistent with what you started with about the value proposition. We offer a bundled product. And so we think then that means you should get a you know free non-alcoholic beverage, uh, a free snack, uh, depending on the, the length of the, the flight and the time of day, uh, free live TV, free movies and such. Um, and so that's that's part of a bundled product. Uh, Wi-Fi we offer for a modest price of $8 um, uh, you know per, per session. And and then on top of that, then you have the hospitality provided by our flight attendant. So they, once again, display humor, but also just great hospitality. So they... They, besides providing you know good safety for the cabin, they provide service for the cabin and hospitality, and that really resonates with our consumers. And so it's a combination once again you know, of the people and their skills uh, backing up a product and policies that are very pro-consumer.
0: Are there anything in the in the plans, uh, future plans, Southwest that people could look for, you know, for in cabin services and changes?
1: In a cabin. Well, you, you may have seen a, um, a couple of weeks ago we announced uh, you know a big investment in cabin. We are going to um, we've signed a new Wi-Fi provider uh, a company called Viasat, which has somewhat become the industry standard. We're also uh, investing in uh, upgrading uh, the the um, uh, components of our current Wi-Fi provider to provide dramatically higher uh, Wi-Fi uh, throughput rates. So that's going well. We're also we're going to offer onboard power in all of our MAX aircraft, both USB A and US, USB C. Um, bigger bins, doubling the movie offering, more alcoholic beverages, you know, uh, so a whole list of things that we think will kind of up the, the score, if you will, of our, of our in-flight offering.
0: Well, I can tell you from the JD Power data that USB-C, although it seems like a very small thing, is a big thing uh, to passengers, uh, especially it appears in our airport study quite a bit. Uh, that people, when they sit down at the gate, they nest, as is uh, the term is, which they <laughs> you know put the bag down, they uh, you know get their electronics out, and then the last thing they do is plug it in. And if that you know USB A port, which is tends to break because of the little tab in there doesn't work, then they got to do it all over again. Now they're really annoyed with the airport and the airline and everything yeah. else. So I you know commend you guys to you know to investing in USB C. Uh, you know, which doesn't have that little tab in there; it doesn't break yeah. as often.
1: So. and that's the way a lot of laptop stuff are going. So the USB C, um, in addition to the A, we think um, uh, allows us not to offer a 110 outlet. A 110 outlets, there's no way around. They take up your shin space. They take up space at your yeah. feet, which customers don't like. Whereas USB C, you can still deliver enough wattage to charge your laptop. And since most laptops are heading to USB C, uh, we think that's the path to take.
0: Yeah, I, we see that same trend in the JD Power data as well. So, you know this is a uh, this is a, <laughs> an industry for you know big boys with big toys and I include women in that too so I don't want to exclude any women but uh, you know what is your you know what's your fleet uh, going to look like uh, this year and five years from now
1: well we've uh, during the coming out of the pandemic at the um, uh, middle of last year so about a year ago we placed a very large order with Boeing uh, so including orders and options we've got over 600 737 max aircraft coming. Um, once again, they'll have power, bigger overhead bins, uh, um, uh, and, and fast Wi-Fi. And what we're looking for is to take these aircraft and kind of restore the network we had pre-pandemic. We have 114 aircraft coming this year. Uh, 28 of those will be used for um, uh, retiring older aircraft. and then We have 90 aircraft coming the year after. And so it's, we have an opportunity here to really kind of bulk up our network with restoring what we had uh, pre-pandemic. And so we think those, the, that aircraft count will just be more of the same because right now our offering, based on what we see from the J.D. Power Wars and others, is we have a very well-calibrated offering. And we just need more of it. And so we'll be taking these aircraft and just kind of meat and potatoes, plowing them into our network and, and with an enhanced product.
0: Well, once again, Andrew, congratulations, and thank you very much for appearing on our podcast. And uh, good, good luck to you in the future.
1: Well, thank you so much for the invitation. It's always great to talk to J.D. Powers and the standards you represent.
0: Well, thank you again. And I'm Michael Taylor. I'm the uh, Managing Director of Travel, Hospitality, and Retail. And if you'd like to learn more about J.D. Power Travel Studies, you can go to our website, jdpower.com. Go in the upper right-hand corner. We don't make it easy for you. You've got to pick North America. <laughs> uh, and then you'll see the travel studies. Uh, and you'll be able to see a lot of the uh, press releases we have there and things like this interview with Andrew Watterson of Southwest Airlines. Thank you again, Andrew.
1: Thank you.